You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramilla, credential reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. It's a new week, a new start. The trade deadline's over, but Miami is still looking to upgrade their roster. Unfortunately, some moves haven't panned out the way a lot of people expect them to. I'll get into the buyout market, what it means about Miami's playoff chances and how they're viewed around the league. And then lastly, talk about Victor Oladipo's fit in Miami because that is a growing concern amongst Heat fans. But first, Gorgie Jang, Austin Rivers, LaMarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond. What do they all have in common? Well, they all decided to sign elsewhere after having been bought out of their respective contracts. Jang went to the San Antonio Spurs. Rivers is joining the Milwaukee Bucks. Aldridge is chewing Miami and joining the Brooklyn Nets to join a loaded front court. And Drummond, I'm not sure what his role is, but it's going to be with the Los Angeles Lakers. And that's an interesting question because I think every signing that passes, all of a sudden Miami fans get a little bit more desperate. I'm starting to see some movement building towards Hassan Whiteside if he's bought out with the Sacramento Kings. And I, I have to say, it's just always so interesting to me to see the buyout market as a legitimate resource because I am struggling to find when it actually provides great value. Would these players have fit? To varying degrees. Rivers, point guard, two guard combo, okay shooter, not a great defender, but not a terrible one either. Capable, let's say. Aldridge, passes prime. A guy who can score you can toss the ball to in maybe closing situations as far as the waning moments of a shot clock, and he'll be able to rise up with that fadeaway jumper of his or 18, 19 feet. He can also stretch it to the three, as he has increasingly more throughout his career. Jang, a guy who can also stretch the floor a little bit, more of a work ethic guy, but also a guy who played alongside Nemanja Bielica and Jimmy Butler in Minnesota. So maybe some familiarity here. Interesting that Miami either didn't pursue him or that the Spurs had a much more interesting offer for him. Not quite sure what that is. Now, look, the Spurs need center depth. I, I get that. They're starting Jakob Pertl, and I can't even remember the name of the guy who's backing him up, but he does not seem like your typical NBA player. And Jeng immediately has a role there for increased playing time. That makes sense. It's unfortunate, however, that they didn't choose Miami, but on the flip side of that, how much could they really have contributed here? Like, you add Trevor Reza, you've got Bam as your starter, you bring in Bielitsa. Those are the guys who are going to be fighting for most of your minutes at the 4-5 spot. you got Casey Opala. The league in general is going smaller. Yes, you have rebounding issues, but none of those players are really solving those. And I mean Jang, Aldridge, and Drummond. Now, Drummond might. He is obviously the best of those guys players in terms of actual level of production but there's questions about his production that are particularly concerning for heat fans i think he is an active rebounder kind of a stat patter uh more of a guy who you know has to get his points around the rim too he's athletic not explosively so but he's you know he's he's a big body and he certainly can finish at the rim at a high level but he's not much of a passer he's not a playmaker in that sense 
He's not a very good free throw shooter. There's issues there. If you're looking for what Miami's weaknesses are, I don't think Drummond fits those. And in fact, he might lead to more problems, especially with his fit alongside Bam and Bio. I don't know that Miami was ever interested. I don't know that Drummond was ever interested. But I think, moreover, he wouldn't have been a great fit here anyway. I'm not sure if there is a great fit on the market. I think something about this buyout situation is that we kind of tend to overvalue a lot of these players. And I, one of the arguments I keep seeing is, you know, Joe Johnson. And that's the last time I can recall a, a buyout player contributing to the Miami Heat. And he shot very well during the regular season here in 20-something games that he played for Miami. That was a different situation. It was at a moment in time when it was the second season after having lost LeBron James. You're retooling. You expect maybe Chris Bosh might be available at some point down the road. You've got a young team with Justice Winslow. You've got Lou Deng here. You had a, a you know a glaring need for a guy at the two or three spot. Jen, I mean, sorry, Deng could have played at the four a little bit because you know McRoberts wasn't really playing. Luke Babbitt wasn't really contributing. You had Justice Winslow. You had Josh Richardson and his incredibly hot shooting rookie season. And then they're a great team here. And now for a guy like Johnson. You know, his goals were a little different, kind of similarly to Gorgie Jing. I think he just wanted a bigger amount of playing time rather than necessarily competing for a title. Some guys, when they're bought out, it's like, look, I'm going to ring chase right away. You know what their goals are. Others are saying, you know what? I still think I've got three or four years left. I want to be able to prove myself. If there's a team I can go score 15 points per game at, I'm going to join them. And then other teams will be able to sign me as a free agent in the offseason. I think that was Johnson's plan, and he did wind up getting a pretty fat contract from the Utah Jazz, one that Jazz fans aren't too par- you know, particularly happy about because he never quite lived up to that, but that's been the, uh, a, an unfortunate stigma to Johnson's career is it not being able to live up to the value, perceived value of his contract. In any case, in Miami, he was solid in the regular season, but what everybody's kind of forgetting is that during the postseason, he was pretty bad, actually. He shot 28% from three, wasn't able to contribute a little bit slower, a little bit, you know, not quite the playmaker he was, certainly not the go-to score. Iso Joe, Cool Joe, all those guys. I mean, all the nicknames, all the perceived impact that a guy like Johnson has for you. And does it really pan out that way? And I think that's the reality here is that we're looking at Aldridge, an all-star. Drummond, an all-star. Even Jang, a key role player. But how much would they have fit here? You've got Ariza as your big acquisition, despite the fact that he's 35, despite the fact that maybe he's not going to necessarily play a bunch of minutes, but I think he's your fit here. And I think I think Ariza is probably a better option for this Miami team than LaMarcus Aldridge. Defensively, certainly the case. I don't think Boogie Cousins, another name that's being tossed out there for link to Miami, at least for Miami Heat fans, that is a player who cannot move at this point in his career. I have much more empathy for older aging players than 99% of media and fans. And I can still tell you that Boogie Cousins is not a good option for Miami. I'd love some kind of resurrection arc to the end of Cousins' career because I think he's been beleaguered because of his attitude, because of his just general, I don't know, perception around the league. He's loud. He's brash. A little obnoxious. I'll be 100% honest with you. I, I don't know that teams teams, and teammates have gravitated t- towards him the way a lot of people have. I think he's also been humbled greatly over the last few years. 
but he just can't play. He couldn't play for the Lakers last year. He couldn't play for the Warriors before that. It's been four seasons now, various teams of him just dealing with injuries, of coming back from quadriceps injuries and Achilles injuries, and it's just he's a different player. He wasn't never the most explosive player, even at you know seven feet tall, but certainly not at this point in his career. What's he out there for? Can he shoot the three? Sure. So can Bielitsa. I mean, so can Ariza. What are you getting out of Bookie Cousins? Is your rebounder? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, he's a body out there. He's not getting a second jump off the ground. Like you're probably, he's probably going to get out rebounded by your average guard, and certainly forward. I, considering how positionless the league is evolving to, and how for weeks now, months, we've been talking about, oh, Jay Crowder is a player that Miami misses more. Well, it's certainly not Crowder. I mean, it's certainly not Cousins. He's not the replacement player for a guy like Jay Crowder. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't defend on the perimeter. You can't score in a low post consistently. It's a name. And I think that's a problem here is that we're looking at names. And names don't translate into immediate impact. I think you have you have a, a, an idea that these players are going to be able to join his team and immediately contribute. That's just not the case. And so I think you have to trust that Miami's front office once again knows what they're doing. They're either going to find value in a player that they can bring in. And I think there are options. I think, well, at least one. I think Otto Porter would have been a good fit here. I think Jeng would have been a nice fit too, from a, a fit perspective, from a, an ability perspective, and certainly an attitude perspective. Because a big problem also is an adjustment of roles and perception of what your role can be. You're joining a team as an older veteran, but with that expectation that you're still going to come in here and make an impact. It's like, oh, I'm former all-star LaMarcus Aldridge. This isn't on, on Aldridge specifically, but I think this is something that you'll see. Like, that's a huge question for what Drummond wants to do. Now, LeBron James, certainly one of the more powerful personalities in the in the NBA, maybe in, in NBA history. And I think he's going to get Drummond to buy into whatever role he has. The same way he's got almost everybody throughout his NBA career to play alongside him and to understand, look, get the F out of the way. I'm LeBron James. You'll figure it out. Drummond's going to have lots of opportunities to clean up misses for LeBron when he drives to the rim and things of that sort. When when he or Davis miss shots, Drummond will be there as a rebounder, a guy who can put back the ball. He's not going to get fed the ball, not to that degree. Yeah, he'll get him some touches, but in closing situations, nobody's going to Andre Drummond. Drummond is, for the first time in his career, a third, maybe fourth, fifth option. That's a good role for him. That's a good role for where his current skill set stands. Let's leave that alone. As for Miami, I think Porter's a guy that you can bring in. A wing defender, another guy to just provide more depth. You don't want to put all your eggs in the Trevor Ariza basket. That's a lot of pressure for a 35-year-old. Despite his skill, despite how much talent he has and how much ability he can still show on the floor and contribute, I don't think you necessarily want to rely on him too heavily, which is why you explore names like Aldridge and others. You certainly want to shore it up. You're going to bring somebody in. Miami's going to add a player. I'm not sure who that is. I don't think Dwayne Dedman's available. I don't think he's healthy. That's the overall concern. I don't know if Porter's even going to get bought out. That's a name that's tossed around. If it's Whiteside, he doesn't fit here. That experiment is, is over. This isn't Michael Beasley that you keep bringing back thinking, well, he's a talented player. He didn't do anything wrong while he's here. And he certainly never told Spo, you know, anything. Although he's certainly had his issues with Eric Spolstra since then. But I think that's also a relationship that will never be quite repaired. As for Whiteside, I just, 
I can't see it. Yeah, can he rebound? Can he block shots? Sure. But what else is he going to do? Is he is he going to actually is he going to try to pass the ball to Jimmy Butler? Why? It's never been anything he's done before. If he didn't pass the ball to Dwayne Wade, why would he do it to Jimmy Butler, who he doesn't even know? I I can't see it. Porter makes sense. We'll see what happens. Overall though, I just what do they even really need? A rebounder? Another shooter? I think you've got enough here. Something I'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. But I also wanted to get into what does a buyout reaction from players say about how Miami is viewed around the league? Because I have some questions and concerns. I'll answer those here on the number one Miami Heat podcast for the latest news, rumors, and analysis. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards and TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. All the sports news you need in another 20 minutes with a new Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. So there is a concern about the decision-making process from all these free agent players once they join the buyout market. And it's this. How do free agents even view Miami? For a long time, Miami, certainly by Miami Heat fan standards, and probably mostly around the league, very much a destination market. You talk about a player wanting to join a team for a number of reasons, Miami always fits a bill. It's a great city, it's a, a great place, great weather, you know, state to income taxes, whatever you want to look at it, but also just from an organizational standpoint. They were always competing, they were always going to be in the playoff mix, and I think that's a, a big allure and how it was largely viewed around the league. But you look at what Aldridge in particular and his decision-making process, and that to me kind of feels a little bit, a little bit like an insult. Now, I'll also add that one of the uh, unfortunate narratives about the Lamarcus Aldridge decision is that you know local reporters, specifically Lefty Leif of Five Reasons Sports, I think has gotten a lot of the uh, negative repercussions about Aldridge's decision. But I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Aldridge's view, again, not a guy who's necessarily looking for increased playing time because you join a front court that already has uh, Nick Claxton, that already has DeAndre Jordan, that just added Blake Griffin a few weeks ago, and now you're going to join that, so you're not going to get any playing time. Aldridge probably a better option than Griffin at this stage in his career, which is why they add him in the first place. But also the perception that they're a clear run to the title. They're probably the best team in the Eastern Conference as currently constructed, even with all these guys not being able to contribute at a great, to a, any kind of certain extent, certainly not to a great one. I think you view the Nets and you see that talented core. That's a team that can compete. You've got title winners there. You know, I'll knock James Harden all you want to. He's playing at an MVP level. So is Kevin Durant. He's won two rings. Kyrie Irving's won a ring. Those are players that know how to get to this stage. They'll be able to push the team to the Eastern Conference Finals at the very least. I like the matchup with Miami. It's going to be an interesting one, but I'll talk about that later on. I just wanted to say about what, you know, the reporting on these kinds of things. 
players have the right to change their mind, and they do. And maybe it was partly, you know, Greg's fault, Leif's fault about how he said it was a done deal. I think expectation. I talked to a Spurs guy about it. He said, "Look, let's record something after the move happens because we all know it's going to." So on the Spurs side, they were already looking for it. I think he just looked at this team, saw a six-game losing streak, and said, "Maybe you can't duplicate what you did last year." And I think that's part of the issue. If there's a concern here, it's a growing view that Miami was indeed a bubble fluke, and that's how they're viewed around the league more and more. I think a a lot of players can say, you know what? They capitalized on the environment of the Orlando bubble. Everybody knows. Nemanja Bjelica, on today's media call, his first with the team, kept talking about this is a team that works hard. You all hear the stories, and I think that's – pretty widely perceived and accurately stated amongst players is that you know the Miami Heat environment is one that prides itself on its work ethic. Like all these guys work, they just don't necessarily want the same approach to work that they do in Miami. You have to love this style of play. You have to love to be able to contribute to this high level. Even a guy like Gorn, a European player, and the perception on European players is that mostly they're soft, obviously. It's untrue and xenophobic, if anything, but you look at what the these players accomplish here. They have to be they have to be dogs. They have to be competitors. They have to want to struggle and fight here. Aldridge, at this stage in his career, he's probably done with all that. He just wants to win. He wants a ring, and I think Brooklyn gives him the best opportunity to do so. But you look at what Miami was able to do last year in the bubble, and certainly they maximize that opportunity. But there's also been the lack of development from Tyler Hero. And maybe his growth has stalled to some degree. You look at the injury concerns for Goran and others, and you wonder, you know, Goran was their third best player. Can they duplicate that? Can he possibly match that level of output? You know, perhaps they don't have the clear path to the finals that other teams do, that the Lakers do, that the Nets do. Is Jimmy the recruiter that Dwayne Wade was? I remember Joe Johnson's decision weighed heavily on Joining the Cavs and LeBron James for his title run or joining Miami. And he chose Miami. I think a big part of that was also a familiarity and a comfort level with Dwayne. I wonder if Jimmy, not necessarily a bad teammate or viewed as a jerk by any stretch around the league, but maybe not as friendly or a guy that you fit necessarily with. I don't know. I, I really don't. I'm overstating and speculating completely here. My feeling is that there is a growing concern that Miami might not be viewed as a legitimate title contender. And you know what I think? I think that's a good thing. I think Miami and this team of dogs loves to be viewed that way, to be discounted, to be overlooked, and I think they're going to prove everybody wrong as a result. I think this team, and you get put Jimmy Butler in there. You put Victor Oladipo, who has something to prove. You've got Bam Adebayo still looking for respect around the league. Guys that were overlooked as all-stars. Whatever. Every little bit of motivation helps. I have talked about this a million times, and I cannot overstate enough how much it plays into every NBA player's personality that there is a need for external motivation. You have to find things. There are slights that these players will use, real and perceived, that they will incorporate as easily as possible 
to motivate them because otherwise it's impossible to play at this high level. Nobody is that motivated that completely all the time. You certainly need something. You talk about it, the cliche or the commonly used phrase is bulletin board material. Now take that and make it personal. Oh, you don't think I'm good enough? You don't think I'm an all-star? Well, guess what? I'm going to show you. Oh, you didn't like me in Philadelphia? Oh, you think I was a bad teammate in Minnesota or I forced my way out of Chicago? Well, guess what? I'm going to carry this team and I'm going to push them all the way to the NBA Finals. And we saw that last year. And I think we'll see it again this year. That's not to say they're going to get past Brooklyn. But I don't think that this team is as bad as the six-game losing streak has shown. I don't think they were as good as 11 out of 12 were either. Both of them were not quite the reality here. And the reality is that Miami is going to get better. If they're going to be healthy, this is a team that will compete with anybody else in the league. And I think they like that underdog mentality. They like being able to show everybody up. If nothing else, if I was Eric Spolstra, I would use all this as motivation. I'm Pat, I'm going down there, and I'm talking to these guys and saying, yeah, you know, we talked to LaMarcus, but he just didn't want to come here. Oh, really? Okay. Wait till we see him in the playoffs. We got something for him. We'll show him. You want to be here like Victor Oladipo does, like Trevor Ariza does? You're going to show out. You're going to play harder. You're going to want to prove yourself. We have yet to see a complete version of this team. You've either had injuries or health and safety protocols or trades or players playing under the incredible burden of trades and the trade deadline. Now, moving forward, this is the team with Victor Oladipo with a fully restored confidence in Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Ariza, etc. This is your team moving forward. Can you make a change? Can Otto Porter come into this roster and make an impact? Maybe. We'll see how it happens. There's other options out there, and maybe Miami explores one. They'll see what they can do. But overall, you want this team playing at this level with this kind of motivation. I think it's been a good thing, and I think you'll wind up being pleased that you don't have to incorporate a veteran player like Aldridge and find a role for him on this team. you got to find something to get past other more quote-unquote talented opponents, and if that's that dog, that fight, that spirit that defined Miami last year – that's what made them the quote-unquote bubble fluke. That's why they made the most of that opportunity. You were depressed? You felt bad about being in the bubble for three months? Well, they were in it as long as anybody. And they kept finding a way to win. And they would have won the NBA Finals if they had been fully healthy. That's a hill I'm going to die on. And I'll be proud to <laughs> wave my Goran Dragic and healthy Bama to buy a flag for as long as it takes. But I also want to talk a little bit about Victor Oladipo's fit here because I think some people view him as a game changer, and I'm right there with you. But first, I want to talk a little bit more about Built Bar. I've been talking about it for a while. They're the best-tasting protein bar on the market. They're amazing. Low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, incredible taste, 100% covered chocolate bars. And now is the time to find out which is the best bar of them all because it's Built Bar Madness. We're almost down to the final four. Today's matchup is the last one to determine who gets into that final four. It's a tough one. Caramel brownie versus coconut brownie chunk. Coconut brownie chunk, not perhaps my favorite, because again, I've mentioned it before, the coconut, not a big part of uh, what I like to eat in a built bar. Everybody I know loves them. I got to go with the caramel brownie. I can't go away from it. I'm sorry. That's just my favorite. I love caramel. I love the, the sweet taste. And I think... 
as good as coconut brownie has been, I got a lean caramel brownie. But go to BuiltBar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter and vote for yourself. Remember to use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. You can build your own box of all your favorite flavors. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar of them all. With an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the parts you might need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure pointless or intimidating questions while the person behind the counter orders the parts you're looking for in their computer? You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers and their easy-to-navigate site. You get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store? rockauto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, then go to their How Did You Hear About Us section and enter Locked On so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. More analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with a Locked On NBA Draft podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. This last segment, I just kind of wanted to get into uh, what's going on with Victor Oladipo and how he's going to fit with Miami. Some questions there. It looks like he'll probably make his debut on Wednesday of next week on Monday against the Knicks. He's been ruled out. He's still in Miami. Apparently he's got some kind of a cold or something to that effect. Uh, Maybe I'm not sure how much I buy it. Uh, Kendrick Nunn also ruled out. Thankfully, Goran Dragic and Nemanja Bielica will be making their return to Miami, at least Goran's return and Bielica's debut. So that should be fun against the New York Knicks and Julius Randle and heat killer Reggie Bullock have been ruled questionable as of now. I'm recording this on a Sunday evening. So we'll see what happens against the Knicks. Of course, I'll recap that game for you. But as far as Oladipo's debut, probably delayed till Wednesday. It should be an interesting one. It's going to be against the Indiana Pacers. Now we're going to have uh, some Pacers media to help us look at Oladipo's return and what he's going to do there. Likely to get booed by Pacers fans, so... <laughs> There's going to be a lot of emotional ammunition there. It's going to be a really interesting game, really interesting matchup with a Pacers team that is playing better, still not quite. They haven't figured it out. Uh, you know, last week the Heat played them twice, and I remember talking to Tony East of Lockdown Pacers, and the the belief was that Miami could easily have won those two games. Instead, they wound up dropping both. So the Pacers, they're definitely talented, probably somewhat overlooked, just as they almost always are. That's probably why Oladipo is going to get booed because he chose not to be there, not to play with that team. You know, the reports on him saying, can I come play with you? Certainly didn't sit well with Pacers fans, people that are loyal to their team. You don't want us? Well, we don't want you, so get the hell out. It's going to be a fun, interesting game, that's for sure, on Wednesday. But longtime listener Billy writes in, could Victor be our new Jay Crowder? He adds, so just like the subject says, could Victor be what Crowder was for us last year? A great offensive and defensive threat to take some of the focus off of Jimmy and Bam 
and it could be another guy who can just go off for 20 points one night and have a good game. Thank you, Billy, for writing it in. Thank you for always supporting and listening to the show. Yes, I'm right there with you. Yes and no, I'll qualify because I think obviously the players are different and I don't think Crowder really had too many 20-point games. That was some potential if he could go eh, four of seven from three-point range, maybe five of seven. There were some nights there where he seemed like he was particularly hot from three-point range, but not a guy that you were going to count on for 20 points per game. Oladipo... Much more of a complete scorer, much more of a reliable scorer, much more of a go-to scorer. If anything, I see his role offensively being similar to what Goran Dragic did last year. He was your third guy who could step up. He is the guy who can't put up those big numbers. Dragic also never really known for 40-point games or anything like that. Not explosive as a scorer, but a contributor. When you've got Jimmy and Bam on this team, and Jimmy mostly, and then you get all of a sudden a player like Victor, who can go off for another 20 to 30 points. You still have Goran, hopefully healthy for the rest of the season, able to pitch in at that same level. You get Tyler Hero, who can do the same thing. Duncan for his six of nine shooting nights, now that the pressure's off. <laughs> That's a pretty potent team offensively. And I think this is where we're getting at. Kind of what I was hinting at in the previous segment, too. I, the more I think about what Oladipo can bring to the table... I think that's what is going to help unlock Miami's potential this year. I know I have concerns about Victor being able to do it steadily, consistently. I think his health is always going to be an issue for the rest of his NBA career. I don't think he's quite injury prone. I don't think he'll ever be 100% healthy either. I think Miami will try to find a way to get him to be as healthy as possible throughout his NBA tenure, especially if they you know, help him resign here. But as far as his fit here, yeah, I think he's a guy who can help this team immeasurably by bringing that offensive punch, that scoring mentality. You've seen so often the Heat offense kind of bog down because none of those guys are go-to scorers. And Tyler has struggled and Duncan has scored, has struggled, excuse me. And all of a sudden now, hopefully those struggles are in the rearview mirror and you get a guy like Victor who's a legitimate scorer who's used to being a number one option on a lot of teams. And he can defer to other players. He can create plays for others. It's such a great fit. I really like that ability. Now, defensively, defensively, I do see how he can play that same role as Crowder does because this is a guy who can fit in very seamlessly there because of his defense. He plays passing lanes so well. He anticipates where the ball is being moved. He's strong enough to guard bigs. You don't want him out on an island against a, I don't know, a Bam out of bio, let's say. But he can hold his own there for a, a limited amount of time. He's got quick hands, very Butler-esque as far as his anticipation of passes are concerned. You're going to see his steal numbers go up here. Between him and Jimmy and Trevor Ariza and Bam out of bio. And if you can get somebody else to contribute, maybe an Okpala. If you can throw out those five players out there, there are no weaknesses out on the floor. You have stretch players, guys that can guard one through five, who can shut down other players that can lock in, use their length. 6'9 wingspan, not quite 6'10 and a half like Dwayne Wade, but that's why I love the comparisons that I've made and others have made between Oladipo and Dwayne, because that 6'9 wingspan leads to some blocked shots. It leads to some broken up passes. You're going to see a lot of that where he's going to be able to time it just right. If you have that same trapping defense that we've seen through periodically throughout the season, 
And all of a sudden, Oladipo's out there with his length and his wingspan and his gift for being able to anticipate passes. Something that, unfortunately, Kendrick Nunn does not currently have. You're going to see a much more improved defense. I I don't know. I, I don't want to gush necessarily, but I just like his overall fit in this team. If he's healthy. Maybe, maybe that's too much of a hedge, but I just think that he can bring the level of play up consistently. He's a good player that fits in seamlessly. I think his role is going to adjust. I think he's going to embrace that role here. And I think he's a guy who wants to be here. And you can't take that away from guys like him and Jimmy. This is the place where they want to be. This is the place where they want to prove themselves. Well, now he has that opportunity, and I think he's going to thrive here. We'll see how it goes. It's going to be a hell of a week. I'm so glad I get to bring you all the latest news and more and to recap all these games. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you listen to every show. And, of course, as a reminder, you can always reach me via email or DM via Twitter, LockdownHeat at gmail.com, or just use the hashtag AskLOHeat. I'll find it. Subscribe to the show. Leave a review, of course. I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you, as always, for your support.